Hello and welcome to The Bow Show. I'm your host, Bo Braden. Today's guest is JT Rogers, a singer-songwriter out of Los Angeles, California. He's a dear friend of mine and I cannot wait for you guys to meet him. Josh, how's it going? I'm doing great. How about you? Well, better now that you're here, man. I am really excited to have you on. This is a really special guest to me. Oldest friend, well, not oldest friend, but uh, longest friendship I've had since we were in diapers, really. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you've always been a, a really special person to me and someone that even even if we're not talking for a, a couple of months, I I know that... I can call you out of nowhere and you can call me and we'll pick up like we never left. I'd love for to just to start off, you kind of give me your background and, and what you do and all that. Yeah. So um, my name is uh, JT Rogers. You can call me Josh. I am a indie pop singer, songwriter and multi-instrumentalist. Um, I live in Los Angeles now, but I'm from Seattle very uh, queer targeted because I identify as transgender. So a lot of my stuff is queer love songs and um, also just some good stuff. I like to fuse um, emo with like indie pop and like make it like a modern take on emo music. I like things to be creative and never predictable. So I like to have fun with that for sure. I think to start off, I want to just kind of hear your journey with discovering yourself and how music was a part of that. Yeah. So, um, I first started music. I think I started on piano, classical piano when I was like six or seven years old. So I was really young. Um, basically, um, I think like a great, great aunt of mine passed away around that time and they had nothing to do with her grand piano. So my grandmother was like, give it to them. So I inherited this big piano and um, I started lessons. And um, very quickly from there, I uh, moved on to guitar and started really like learning um, different types of instruments and different types of sounds other than classical. Um, Once I understood like the music theory and how things worked. So yeah, I guess um, I've always identified as transgender. Um, It's something that I always knew about myself, but I didn't really have a word for it until it became more accepted. The majority of my life, um, if you really think about it and put it into perspective, I mean, I was um, showing that I had gender dysphoria from such a young age um, that um, I was around when it was still talked about as like a mental illness. Um, And so for the majority of my life, it was kind of treated that way um, until, you know, I hit like high school or whatever, and uh, it was recognized differently. So having a unique experience um, like that, um, it isn't all too common. 
to, you know, be this age and be out at the time where it was treated that way. Uh, so I have like a lot of, you know, unique perspectives and experiences um, from uh, just being trans so young and being so sure of my myself, my identity from such a young age, um, which isn't super common. So I, I like to use my, you know, unique perspective and my unique voice um, to appeal to especially, you know, the Gen Z crowd and people that are now finally starting to recognize that, you know, this is a, this is a thing. It's always been a thing in history and, you know, we should make it, um, you know, a, a, a modernized, accepted thing. Um, and so, um, yeah, I think music has always um, been just a way of me just processing through all those emotions. It's always been super helpful. And that's why I think art's so essential. Definitely a good outlet for me. And um, that's why um, I would consider myself very emo. Um, but people really, uh, really dig it and tend to relate to the things I talk about. Um, so it's worked out pretty well for me. And would you explain a little bit more about what that emo sound is? Because I think a lot of a lot of people don't have a great idea what that really means from an outsider's perspective. Yeah. So um, basically, um, emo, uh, I, I'm pretty sure it started in the 80s or 90s um, originally. Uh, and um, it's kind of evolved from there. You know, you have this first wave of things that sound like Smashing Pumpkins and, um, you know, usually are much more obscure bands than that, though. Um, and then, you know, you've got this, you got this wave that came again in like the late nineties, early two thousands of pop punk and green day and blink 182. Um, and, um, that really fed into, um, the, the emo scene of that time where you see bands like My Chemical Romance and Panic at the Disco, um, earlier on and, um, Fallout Boy. Um, and then um, in modern times, recent times, emo is really starting to dive its way into all types of music like pop, trap. You see um, Billie Eilish is technically emo, but alternative pop. Uh, see things like Lil Peep. Use samples from earlier waves of emo to make it more um, modern. And then you have all of that emo rap wave that came with that. And um, I think nowadays... Um, I really want to just take that, that emo going into pop music um, and, and just fusing it and making it more relevant. Um, and because uh, that's what a lot of people are doing right now. Um, so, yeah, I think that's we're pretty passionate about that. I think that's pretty cool. Do you think that your sound is who really inspired your sound? Because I feel like there's a lot of uh, different different things coming together. Is there somebody yeah. that's really popular right now that this could even relate to yeah and, and i think that's what's really cool about it is that there aren't a lot of people doing what i'm doing mm -hmm. and that's why that's why i answered that way um because i am taking from things of all decades um you could say that yeah i sound like cave town um which is you know an emo indie pop bedroom pop kind of artist um, which a lot of people are aware of um who's also trans um, but I, on all honesty, I take things from every decade. I take things from early emo. I even take things from 80s music, 60s music. Um, I take things from jazz, bossa nova, and I make it all relevant in my own way. So that's why it's such an ambiguous answer. But yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I have a couple demos out, um, and uh, I'm really excited to put this EP coming um, up soon. I have... Um, uh, five songs already already started on and um, 
it's in the making right now. I'm just so excited. Would you tell me more about what this EP is? The EP is called All Through Time and Space. And it's just like five of like my favorite songs I've written with an outro track um, to wrap it up. Just kind of like this mini album, five songs. And basically it's just going to showcase what I've got. I'm going to release it on all popular platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music. Everyone's going to be able to have access to it. It's just, yeah, some of my best material. I'm so excited to finally put it out. How did you come up with the name for that? I took it from a lyric um, in uh, the first song. Um, I decided that for my EP, I wanted the aesthetics, the name, and the album cover to all be taken from the lyrics of the music itself. So um, the album cover is going to feature like a tearing rope and like a psychedelic background. And that's all taken from lyrics and um, all through time and space is again taken from a lyric. So it's going to be... I'm super excited. I can't even stop talking about it. And that's super exciting. How long has this been in the works for you? Um, so this is um, this is a great question um, because I've actually been working on this EP since July or August of 2020 uh, this year. So it's already been, you know, six months, take, give or take. Um, uh, it's got a lot to be put on it. So I'm really excited for how um, detailed and... Um, just interesting it's going to all turn out because the last steps um, that I have right now at this point aren't going to take very long. So I'm just, I'm so excited. Um, I've been uh, just listening to the tracks and just manifesting. And this is going to be a really dope experience. That's, that's going to be really cool. And I'm really excited about it. What inspired your initial move from Seattle? So um, a lot of my songs are written about Seattle. Um, Seattle is always going to be just, you know, home for me. Um, I love the city. Um, I'm very connected to it. Um, The issue with the city and the last few years I was there was just how rapid it was changing. Um, It it was just, it was just not working for me career-wise anymore. The music scene was downgraded since the 90s one could say and um, people who did get locally hot there they just kind of stayed in the area there wasn't as much of an expansion outside of the pacific northwest just just the knocking down historical buildings for apartment complex and you know just venues were going to be knocked down and it just wasn't it was sad i needed to move to a place where gentrification wouldn't take the culture from it in the way of like the arts, um, which LA art is not going anywhere. So do you think that's reflected among the artists in the Northwest as well? I mean, just from, I'm, I'm not really involved in, in that scene with music production and all that, but from what I've heard from people coming up through it and listening to other people on podcasts that have come up from Seattle and Portland and in these cities is that there's a sense of either complacency and staying where you're at or stepping over people within have you have you experienced any of that when you were in the northwest um yeah there's a lot of that I could never really get a team of individuals together that was having the same mindset wanting to make the same kind of music and were equally devoted to it um, and then the people that did have that, they were doing their own thing. Um, it was extremely clicky um, and elitist. And um, 
there was definitely some really good folks out there, but it just, it wasn't enough to be able to do what um, I was trying to do down there. Who's your team now? Um, so I'm working with my producer, um, who's been a buddy of mine since middle school. Um, his name is uh, Carter Costello. He's a producer working with me on this um, uh, project. And um, yeah, this time I'm definitely trying to have a smaller team. Um, I'm trying to do most things uh, myself, but uh, yeah, it's just me and Carter this time. But it's it's pretty chill. I'm pretty down with it. So you're really making a lot of your music pretty much all by yourself until the the production side or what yeah um so a great thing about um the stuff that i do is i do everything myself um in my own apartment in my own home i lay down the drums i lay down the bass guitars keyboards vocals harmonies i even pre-mix it just to you know see where i want things to be and then i send it over to a producer to just make it sound radio ready and um some people are definitely doing that but um it's not uh it's not the most common thing and that's what makes me stand out artistically also nobody else really has my voice which is really fun so i i was gonna ask about that too um you have a really distinct and cool voice and and i was gonna ask were you because you've always had that amazing voice were you worried about how that was going to change when you got on testosterone? Yeah. So, um, I've been on T now for four years, also had like two different surgeries and, um, I was kind of worried cause there were some people that just, um, especially in the singing and, uh, trans community that just don't, um, transition if they need to take testosterone because, a lot of people, they just can't sing afterwards. Um, and it took me to a place where I just knew it was the right thing that I had to do. And I just kind of had faith in it. And it turned out for the better. For a couple of years, I didn't really have a falsetto voice. It would just be cracky. And I thought I would never get that back. But I ended up getting it back. And um, my voice has actually really, really improved since going on testosterone and becoming comfortable and the way I sound I think that really did it for me was just the confidence it gave me I have like a four octave vocal range now and I did not have that before I didn't even lose a lot of my upper register I just gained an octave or two low which was blessing blessing that's that's really cool to hear would you talk a little bit more of how you found your confidence and sound through music I take from a lot of different inspirations um I uh, grew up on classic rock music while my mother listened to things like Motown R&B and modern pop music and hip hop. There was the, there was different sounds coming from, you know, uh, the home I grew up in. But um, whenever I would actually go and write a song, there might be things that I get influenced by. But the majority of it is just me. It's just what I feel is the right melody or the right phrase to come next and it just turns out to be a certain way i I really think that that's how art should be done um because things come out just super duper um new and original and um it's uh it's definitely really cool right now especially when music is just starting to take like a change in the way it's going if you've noticed especially popular music do what comes out of your mouth what comes out of your brain and not what comes out of all your favorite artists um even though that is like, you know, it's always good to have influences. Um, 
there's just something just pure that comes out when you write the way that um, I prefer to write. And that's why I do it. Tell me more about Josh. I want uh, my to know name? About you. Oh, about me. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I grew up in Seattle. Um, there's definitely, um, there was a lot of um, instability that kind of slipped under the radar when I was um, growing up. And it was definitely always just a show of keeping it all together and making the family look just healthy. And they just, I just, I definitely came out of it very misunderstood. So um, a lot of the um, songs, especially that I've written, because I started writing music when I was like eight years old or something, but um, a lot of the songs I've written are from my childhood that I have um, just bringing back into my adult life. And um, uh, it's just like a lot of my stuff is about healing because of that situation. It's very common, especially for transgender youth to just not be in the best environment for where, the way you thrive. Um, I'm a very alternative thinker. I learn in very alternative ways. Um, I think in my own way and it's just um nobody really understood me so a lot of my stuff is just kind of not being about under, not being understood and having to do everything myself which in the end made me a powerful human being but um it was definitely really hard to navigate for the first you know 20 years or so but um yeah i think today i'm like i'm doing really well and there, there really is another side especially trans youth it, it can be really 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 hard um, to just grow up and be, be trans. And, you know, a lot of us, we spend our times being homeless. I know that I was couch surfing for a lot of my teenage years. It just wasn't stable at home, not just because, you know, um, of my identity, but there was just a lot of background stuff going on. And um, it's just really common for some reason. Um, and um, really when, when the power is in your hands, like when I turned 18, like, um, I put, I was just super focused. I put everything the way that I wanted to be in my power. And it took some, it took years to like really um, build the life the way that I wanted to. Um, and I'm only starting to get that now, you know, I'm 21 years old, but um, there really is another side. You just kind of have to, um, you got to want it, you know, you got to know that there's a beautiful side to life that you've been missing this whole time. And um I think that's what I want to do, especially just like being an image in the media of a successful transmasculine individual um, who did succeed and did, um, you know, overcome the barriers that life threw at him. Because 41% um, of us, we have attempted suicide and uh, transmasculine folks um, have the highest suicidal rate which is not very talked about. And I think it, it, and there's just not a lot of trans masculine people in the media. When people think about a transgender person, they think about like a stereotypical trans woman looking person. They don't really think about everything else and all the spectrum that goes along with it. And I want to just set as like a positive example, like, yeah, I, I had that trans masculine experience that isn't in the media and needs to be shown. That's, that's a big goal of mine. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. If you could go back, what's something that you would tell yourself growing up? <laughs> well, um, you know what's best for yourself. Um, I think that was the biggest thing. 
nobody believed me growing up that I knew what was best for me. And um, I'm not saying it's a universal experience, but I'm sure it's uh, it's one that, you know, I'm not the only one that's had that. And um, I was kind of forced to walk the path that, you know, like the adults in my life thought that I, I should walk, but it wasn't the right path for me. And I knew it was right for me. I ended up doing it and being successful at it. So I would just tell myself, you know, stick through it. You know, what's right for yourself. Um, and there, there will be another side and you'll be able to be exactly who you're meant to be, but probably wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I I mean, I, I think you always knew. And I, I do want to say, again, how proud of you I am getting where you are now. And after growing up with you and, and seeing only a portion of what went into that, like, I am so proud of you. And I'm so glad that you're here now with us. Thank you. And it is so powerful for you to to talk about these things and, and give your story and shed on light on something that really isn't talked about. And I feel like I was just so lucky to have you in my life to open me up to so many different things. And I think being around you is something that really impacted how I thought from a really young age. I mean, seeing a, a kid, I mean, that was from from when we were toddlers. I mean, that it didn't really, it, it didn't matter what people said you were. I mean, that was, that was my brother. Yeah, that's so sweet of you. I never knew that you felt that way growing up. Oh, always. I mean, it, from, from when we were kids, I mean, I, I remember uh, we, we would go, we'd be playing in the, in the street or whatever. And, and somebody uh, said she, and I, it, and it like called you she, and I, I, it just felt so wrong to me. And I was like, no, that's not, that's, that's he, you know? And, and it was so wild to me when we, do you remember when we went to Chicago when we were 10? That's like my, one of my favorite memories ever. Like I love Chicago. That, that was such a, a great trip with, with uh, our dads and your grandpa who was, who your grandpa was a really great man too. Such a great man. But I, I just remember we were at that, Gino's East, the the really great pizza place, yeah. And having that that huge meaty pizza, and I was like, hey, hey, let's go to the bathroom. And um, we we got up there, and I was walking in, and I I looked back, and I I said, what are, what are you doing? And you said to me, I don't know which one to go in, and yeah. I, I it felt like the world stopped at that point. I I just remember thinking as a 10, 11 year old, like, oh my God, like my, my brother standing here just wanted like something I, I never think about and, and not knowing where you fit into these boxes that, and, and it's a, it's a bathroom, but you're not fitting into these boxes that the world's trying to put you in. And yeah, it was, yeah. It's definitely too young to be dealing with that kind of BS, you know? Like, the, the um, just feeling like your body doesn't align with your spirit <laughs> is traumatizing, you know? And everybody around me, they could see that my spirit was male. It was very strongly so. 
And that's how I would describe it. And a lot of people don't like the term born in the wrong body because, you know, they'll be like, oh, still my body. And, and you don't, it doesn't have to be this way to be my body or to be my identity. But there's still, you know, a disconnect for a lot of people, um, even if you love yourself the way you are. Definitely, it was really hard, especially just before going on that hormonal transition. It, it was very confusing. And at that point that you speak of, like, I didn't even know what transgender was. I didn't know anybody else had the same experience. And I'm sure there were people that I knew that technically did, but they didn't talk about it. And um, my experience was just so intense that I couldn't really hold it in. I was always, like, trying to get some help because I didn't know how to deal with it. But nobody really knew how to help me at that point. Like, my diagnosis was gender identity disorder. And, I mean, that wasn't very long ago. And you think, like, um, uh, in the 80s, homosexuality was considered, like, a um, mental health illness. And, um, but, you know, people don't really think about, and it's not really talked about or taught that, um, what was it, how many years ago? Like, six, seven years ago, being transgender was. That's not very long ago. I mean, um, I grew up most of my life being treated as though my identity was some sort of mental illness by those who didn't really understand it. And that's because the doctors were telling them to do that. So I never really found myself until um, I hit almost high school and there were other people that uh, talked about it. And then I could put two and two together, you know. Could you talk more about what that shift was like, the, the cultural shift? Um, when, um, things started being a little more accepted in America. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and it's still happening. Yeah. Um, but, um, I think it's very interesting to be born during a decade where I, I watched that at the time that I do. It's definitely a really different world, even from like five years ago. And, uh, that's something that's constantly changing. And, um, when I was, you know, let's say, okay, so the DSM five, um, started talking about gender identity disorder. And what does that stand for? Disorder. Sorry. What'd you say? And what does DSM five stand for? I don't know. It's like a diagnostic book um, for doctors. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that was like, I mean, there's like several of them, but that was, yeah. that's one that's kind of um, acclaimed. It, it, it was, it, it says gender dysphoria, um, Instead of gender identity disorder, I think from like in like 2014, it started doing that, maybe 2013. So, I mean, before that, I mean, doctors just thought it was a medical disorder. I mean, I was at psychiatrist after psychiatrist and um, they were trying to figure out, you know, what is, they were so intrigued by me. Like there was just not so much research on what I was going through and um, I had trouble finding doctors that didn't want to just do like studies on me um, that was just wanting to treat me and it didn't help that you know I had post-traumatic stress disorder um, from a very 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 young age but I didn't know how to talk about it and I didn't know how to describe how I was feeling so there was just so much going under the radar I also struggled with Tourette's so they saw the gender thing and they're like, oh, this is a mental illness kind of thing because this person has some neurological things going on because I was ticking and stuff. But um, that kind of changed, especially like 2014, I came out as transgender. And um, that was when things were starting to be recognized more as they are now. 
it was kind of a fight to get on hormones. I didn't actually get on hormones till three years after that because they're like, oh, what if you like change your mind or whatever, you know, it was still the bullshit transphobia. Yeah. Basically things just change so quickly that it's hard to keep up as a trans person. It's hard to keep up with how many people you're aware of will support you or not just because society's view is changing so rapidly. I'm still very scared to tell anybody. Um, but I've started to realize at least living in Los Angeles is becoming more and more accepted as a normal thing. And that's really strange to me, really strange to me. I mean, imagine living where you know, the majority of people, even if they're progressive, probably won't accept your identity. It's hard for anybody to really understand what that's like, especially when it's not your history isn't taught in schools and your issues aren't represented on the media properly. And so people don't, aren't even aware of how sensitive of subjects these things are in general. We've got a long way to go. Oh, no doubt. Like I said, it was a mental illness six, seven years ago. So it's not very long. <laughs> yeah, no, it, that's just something that's so wild to me. And I'm, I'm still so thankful for having you like as per perspective in that, you know, like I went to, Christian school sixth through ninth grade and a big reason why I left was I was getting told by teachers in my bible class that gay people have demons and we need to pray for them and they're choosing to go against God and I'm like well if you're choosing if, if they're choosing why why can't I choose it Exactly. It's like, oh, why don't you try? Yeah, Just yeah. how easy it is. Like, that's, I didn't know that, honestly. I mean, I knew you were Christian, and I knew that you were, um, you practiced Christianity in your home. Were, but yeah. I didn't know that you, like, saw all of that and were in that kind of situation. Yeah, no, and, and was the key word there. Yeah. But it it, it was really hard to watch people that I was growing up around just be ignorant towards these topics where I've seen what that looks like, you know, and you're not the only family member of mine who's going, who's gone through these kind of things. And it's like, well, I I just don't see why anybody would choose to be hated for how they identify or who they love. And I don't know. I, I just feel like I, I can't stress enough how proud I am of you and how much I love you, dude. And and thank you. thank thank you again for being my friend and and being here with me and educating me and telling your story because this is such a powerful story from a, a perspective that is so underrepresented and something that frankly people just need to hear. I mean, thank you. I can't even tell you, like, thank you for sticking around even after things kind of just turned 180 in my life. Um, Thanks for like staying through it. I lost people through that and it wasn't really my fault. I was doing the right thing for myself, but you know, that's life. People come and go and I'm just glad that you stayed, man. And you're right. It's like, um, it's even an issue in the transgender community itself. People think that some people aren't actually trans and are making the choice because they want to be because it's trendy or whatever. It's like nobody does that. And it's such a new concept. It's so the phobia is so normalized within our spaces even. And that's a whole nother, like a whole nother, like just can of worms because 
Um, on one hand, you've got like the society you live in, which you're aware of a bit that, you know, how, how it can, how the struggles can happen. I mean, being trans is beautiful. It's great sometimes, but it's, it's not an easy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the thing that when you go back into the spaces, uh, the community spaces, um, there's still that there, there's still a level of that there. And, um, all that is is just normalization of transphobia. And, um, I'm really just ready to see a shift in the world and how we think about gender and, um, cause it isn't a new thing. Um, there was, uh, transgender and non-binary people, um, to date, uh, in, uh, history from like Native American tribes, um, ancient Greece, pretty sure like ancient Rome, uh, Vikings, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's just always kind of been a thing. So, um, even in like ancient Judaism, they recognized six genders. And, uh, so, um, I'm just really excited to bring my message to the world. Um, I, and, fun. Oh yeah, no. And I, I'm so excited. Would you remind us when that EP is dropping? Yeah. So early 2021, um, so if you, uh, follow me on Instagram, JT Rogers music, I'm sure that you'll have the links up and everything. Um, I'll be posting about it there. Um, and a specific date should be in within the next month or two. So, um, that's really exciting. <laughs> that's, I am so excited yeah. for you and thanks again for coming off. Do you, do you have any closing statements for us? Closing, oh man, <laughs> I had to come more prepared. Um, stay true to yourself, honestly. And when you make art, make it for you. That's like the biggest thing. Um, just be genuine inside and out and, and people will learn to deal with it. So <laughs> stay punk rock. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. I love it. Thank you so much, JT. I love you. I love you too, man. Thank you all so much for listening. That was JT Rogers, a singer-songwriter out of Los Angeles, California. The links to JT's music and social medias will be in the description. And that's where you will be able to find information on JT's new EP, All Through Time and Space. Thank you all so much for listening. Another special shout out to Dylan Scott for creating the theme music for The Bow Show, as well as Alex Rothschild, who created the cover art both of their social media links will be in the description as well thanks again peace Powerful.